Hello. Have you ever wondered how a builder or even an architect comes together with a design for a plan, the thoughts that go into it, uh, all of the different uh, different design elements that make up a, a beautiful home plan, a functional home plan? Well, today on the Tim O'Brien Homes Building Sustainably podcast, we're going to talk to our in-house architect, our lead home designer, Andrew Elder, who is going to share with us some of the things that he gives into consideration when developing a new plan. So, uh, Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Tim. Um, hey, Andrew, you now you and I have known each other for, geez, almost 14 years now. Um, and I know uh, prior to that, you had worked uh, for an architectural firm. And about 2012, you joined our organization as our lead home designer. Can you just kind of share a little bit about kind of your history with Tim O'Brien Homes? And also, too, you know, what got you into architecture and, and single family home design? Yep. So what, like you said, Tim, uh, we first met while I was working in a residential design firm in 2008. And I was assigned to Tim O'Brien work. And um yeah, Tim and I just worked well together, and we've been working together ever since. Um, and then, like Tim said, I joined the T the Tim O'Brien team in 2012, um, so I could come here and design specifically for him. And um, yeah, like Tim said, we've also known each other for 13, 14 years. Um, our relationship has been great over the years. Tim has really been a mentor, you know, somebody I can always bring anything to. He's helped me grow in my personal life and my professional career. And one of the great things about Tim is he's always given me a lot of design freedom. Um, but in return, he also gives me honest feedback. You know, sometimes can be painful, but but honest <laughs> feedback's good and it helps you grow. Well, Andrew, um, what got you into architecture? What What makes you kind of excited about single family home plans? Because, I mean, I see it when I work with you on new plans, you know, just your mind working and how quick you are to, to adapt to, you know, different uh, requests that I may have or different requests that he may have. And what gets you really excited about architecture and single family home design? So I really love problem solving. It's just that feeling of this isn't working and how can I figure it out? I mean, that just is really a motivator for me and, um, and drives me to, to work hard, to not to give up, even though things aren't working, um, but to be persistent. Um, and then just kind of my history of how I got into being interested in architecture or single family homes. Um, when I was in kindergarten, um, I was drawing a house in class and my teacher told me I should become an architect. <laughs> you know, I was six years old. And from that moment on, I knew you know, it was my destiny to design homes. Um, and I really, over the years, have created a love for it. Um, when I was in high school, I worked for my dad in his construction business. And um, so I would design the plans and then him and I would build them together. And that just really gave me a good base and understanding for um, for how a home goes together. And also kind of a, a base for working with customers and putting their ideas together. But I just really have a passion for homes and um, watching them come together uh, and being something that other people can enjoy. <clears throat> yeah, and it, and it definitely shows. Like I said, just, you know, sitting down with you and going over just 
general base schematics. I mean, even the old bubble diagram versions of just some room counts and layouts, and then you put it all together in, in such a beautiful uh, piece of, of artwork and, and just a functional layout. That's really kind of the form and function are one with you. You're making sure that it's a beautiful layout as well as it functions properly. And with that, you know, let's talk about, you know, what generates uh, a, a building company like ourselves to need to create a new plan. Well, you know, what are we, what are some of the, the, um, the reasons why we would need to create a new plan and, and kind of go through a little bit of the process of that, if you, if you won't mind. Sure. So um, there are kind of three main reasons that we would develop a new plan. Uh, the first one is moving into a new neighborhood. Um, each neighborhood has new requirements. Um, so, you know, some have narrow lots, some have wide, some are deep. Um, so like lot fit is one thing. Um, also, you know, some subdivisions require the garage to be a certain amount of feet behind the house. So that can really dictate what product you need. Um, so, I mean, these are all kind of things that we would need to consider. And if our current portfolio doesn't offer that, then we have to, you know, create something new that, that works. Um, the second reason is, uh, we, we track all of our data or, um, we track all of our sales and customer feedback and, you know, once a month, we our architectural team kind of set up with our company team leaders, uh, review that data and decide what things, you know, we should change and and uh, move forward with. So that could be something that triggers a new plan, too, because maybe maybe a plan's not working. People really don't like it. Mm. Um, and then third, uh, just keeping up with new trends. I mean. Everybody watches HGTV these days and, uh, you know, things are constantly changing. So we have to make sure that we're offering uh, new ideas and uh, keeping in front of, you know, in front of these trends. Uh, so those are kind of the three things that that would push us to design a new plan. And you and you get pretty actively involved in a lot of different um, resources, whether it's through our National Association of Home Builders or going down to a design uh, kind of charrette program. We've done that with some design consultants. We work with some other outside architects and things like that that help provide some additional ideas, additional resources for you. So, I mean, you continue to um, keep yourself kind of on top of what's happening in the world of single family home design, um, which is something that I appreciate and has really led to some kind of great award-winning uh, designs for our organization. So when you look at kind of uh, developing maybe a new product, where, where do you start? So after we kind of come up with the, you know, the fact that we need a new home, then I kind of have, I have what I call a design request sheet. Um, it's kind of an informal piece of paper, but it really gives it, it's, it's what sets the program or the guidelines of what we design from. So things that we might fill up on there is the maximum width of a home, the maximum depth, depth, the number of bedrooms, you know, how many bathrooms, what kind of special features do we want? Um, you know, do we want like a guest suite or a luxury master bathroom? Um, so we kind of put those things on the sheet and then I can take that back and start the design process. So after that, um, I come up with initial sketches. That's kind of the first step. Uh, I usually first work around the placement of the living spaces, like the great room, dinette, and kitchen, and how do they relate to the stairs and how they relate to, 
to each other. Um, and a lot of homes you have, or there's kind of different layouts for this area. You either have like an L shape where you got the kitchen in the middle, or they're all stacked across the back. You know, maybe they're across from each other. So we got to kind of get a feel of what kind of home we're designing. And then after I get that space figured out, then I start to put in the paths of movement. So we might have an open concept, but we still got to plan on being able to walk through the space. Um, and, you know, like what, what do you see when you open the front door? Where do you walk first? That kind of stuff. Um, and, that, and then I kind of try to fit in the other requested spaces where they go and work around the constraints of width, width, and, de width and depth. I think one of the things you do very well is just that flow that you're mentioning between the living spaces, the connection, um, the sight lines. I know one of the things that we focus on is when you open that front door that, you know, you can see right out to the back. There's some kind of window that's bringing some natural light into your view as you're walking into the home. And then just that creating that connection for families to stay connected in, in those living spaces. And that's one of the things I think you've done very well uh, in our new plans that we've rolled out in the last few years. Yep, and that's what I'm talking about with the, um, you know, the circulation spaces and and uh, just planning those in. But yes, it's that's an important thing that we do also try to put in is we always like to be able to see out of the house when you open the door to see the views and the nature around you, uh, you know, connecting your home with the environment. Um, so after these initial sketches, then um, then I try to put it in something that I know. I put in a computer program so I know exactly what I have and that it'll work. So. Um, we use uh, BIM software, Revit. It's called Revit. And BIM is stands for Building Information Modeling. Yep. So we build the house basically before we build it in the computer before you build it in three in real life so we can know exactly what works and what doesn't. So we're not quite to that point yet, but at this point I'm trying to get the floor plans to work and just make sure they'll work with furniture placement and, um, you know, there's enough width for the stairs to work and, you know, I have enough room between the island and the the main cabinets. Um, so that's really that in that stage is really getting that concept to work. And the truth is the concepts never work. So this is a, one of the most <laughs> important phases is, uh, is actually getting the concept to a point where it's a home that we can actually, actually build or, and I can actually show people. So after that, we kind of start the review process. So as I mentioned before, we have an architectural team meets once a month and that's uh that's created from our team leaders here at Tim O'Brien Homes. And we, re, we uh, so I'll bring this, this plan that I put in the computer program and we'll review it together and see if it meets all the criteria that we set, you know, in the beginning. <clears throat> sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, if it doesn't, we take it back and, and revise it again. And it's not completely uncommon to take it back, you know, four to five times before we come up with something we all agree on. There could be a lot of opinions and a lot of different needs, but they're all well-vetted thoughts. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then uh, after a plan then is approved by the architectural team, then we'll send it out to our trades. So things the trades look for are, you know, like joist layouts, uh, structural layouts, trusses, uh, Make sure the plumbing will work where it is, that it's in the most efficient place uh, with our uh, efficient HVAC system with the hard ducted returns. we got to make sure we have room for that. So all that is verified at that point, and we take all of the feedback from our trades, 
and then apply it back to the plan. And this is sometimes one of the most overlooked processes of new plan design is really getting the trades involved early on in the design process. Because, you know, like you were mentioning, Andrew, um, the constructability of a plan is important and to make sure that we get it right before we start building it. Because, you know, trying to remodel something in the field or redesign or something that just may not work, it gets really expensive when you try to build something that really hasn't been fully vetted by your trade partners as to, gosh, can I get everything in, the mechanicals especially, um, and uh, how how does the structure line up when you actually start to kind of continue to look at that roof load coming down through the walls and to the foundation, and does it make sense, or is it going to be too costly to be able to build it? So one of the more overlooked steps, and uh, kudos to you for engaging them in the process. And then kind of after we have the trade feedback, then what we try to do is build a prototype home. Um, So what that is, is we'll make one single house based on that plan um, with the trades feedback, with architecture team's feedback. Um, We build it and then we walk it at rough so we can see if things worked out the way that we wanted them to. Usually after we see it, you know, built, we can usually take a little bit um, or make it more efficient. Sometimes there's structural things we don't really see until we build it. And, um, you know, so that's another chance to make that correction. And then as we sell it, then we can get customer feedback on the plan also. So then after we have that prototype done, we take it back to the architecture team. They decide for sure if that's a plan they want to bring into the portfolio or not. And if it is a successful plan and uh, gets to move forward, then it goes into kind of the last phase, which is the actual building of the uh, we call it a master set, but it's it's the set that we build all the other houses off of. So this is going to be built in our um, in our our Revit in our Revit program. So we're building that completely in 3D. So we build the house, each floor, architectural sheets with dimensions, sizes of windows. <clears throat> we have electrical sheets. We put all of the optional elevations and the structural options like optional bathrooms, maybe an optional sunroom. So these things are all in this 3D uh, computer program. And then, and then, I mean, that takes 40 to 50 hours to put this, to, mm. to put that together for our uh, VDC team, which uh, so that stands for virtual design coordinator, but that's our architectural team that, that does the drafting. So then when that is completed, then the VDC team works together with purchasing team and the marketing team uh, to get it on the website, to get pricing to the sales team, and then they coordinate together the actual date that that plan goes live and that we offer it to the public. So, Andrew, you talked about already kind of some of the challenges when creating a new plan. You touched on you know, getting the idea to work on paper. We have uh, some uh, kind of just in limit, uh, preliminary initial sketches some preliminary different layouts. We talked about the architecture team um, and, and their opinions into it. But you, there's some other uh, issues in trying to c- create a plan that you might be able to share with us. Um, I know some of it is managing the portfolio, but also too, just kind of fitting things in. What are some of the other things that might that we haven't touched on that might be uh, some some challenges when creating a new plan? Well, I mean, there are a lot of challenges when creating a new plan. That's 
I guess that's what I love about it because it's problem solving. Which you, which you really enjoy. Yep. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Um, I guess one, one big thing for me is just sometimes you have an idea in your head and you really want it to work and you're just so invested in it, but it just doesn't work with the constraints, um, you know, from the, from what the architecture team put together and, and really you got to get to a point where you got to actually give up something to move forward because you, you just can't work it out. But that's kind of frustrating sometimes when you have to give up ideas that you think are good and, but they really aren't because they won't work. <laughs> but sometimes they circle back in the other plans. They might not yep. work in that current plan because you and I have had worked through a number of different plans where there's some things that both you and I like, and it's just like, gosh, we can't, it's not going to work here. And then later on we're developing a new plan and like, here's the opportunity to bring that concept, to bring that, like whether it's uh, the command center things that we've been talking about where people have workspaces, um, you know, that they could go to and, and be out of the way. Um, but yeah, they, they, you know, all great ideas that tend to either, if they don't go into that specific plan, they tend to come around at some point. So let's talk about, you know, in a building company, you know, we could have 20 to 30 different plans or more, depending on how many neighborhoods we have. So when you look at, Andrew, you've got to manage this this home portfolio of designs and all of these different square footages of plans, ranches, first floor masters, two-story plans. You know, how, what's it like creating and managing, you know, a home portfolio for, for a builder? Well, it is a lot of... It's a lot of uh, work, and uh, <laughs> well, there's just a lot of different different metrics. So we kind of plan our portfolio around um, obviously what is selling in the market, what's important in the market. We might have, um, so we try to to plan around the square footages that would be required also in a community, and um, and and with that widths of homes and depths of homes. Uh, price points and um yeah and you know what what we might need for these different categories so we we put all these categories together and we layer houses out you know so that they step up so with each step you get something that the the other one did and that might be another room that might be a different feel as far as layout um but so we we um very carefully lay out our portfolio and, and measure it by metrics. We look at it by square footage, right? So that's kind of yes. what you're saying in terms of stepping up. You know, we, we're usually looking at somewhere between, you know, 200 to 300 square foot increments uh, between ranch plans, two stories, first floor master, each one of those categories. Sometimes it's a little bit more. Sometimes it might be a little less just depending on the amenities of the plan. And and, and like you said, room count, right? The number of rooms in you room can fit count, into. Yep. So um, when you look at options for each plan, how, how are you, you know, what, how are you determining the type of options we want to include in a plan, whether they're structural options or, or sometimes what we call plug and play options? Um, so it, there's, there's a few different, um, way, you know, ways that options get put in the plan. Uh, one is kind of a universal option that maybe our TOH team wants to offer or or push, like a three-car garage was just pretty common in our market. So that would be an option that would be available on each house. Um, another example of that would be uh, maybe a full-size shower with tile surround or something. So that would be 
kind of a universal option we would offer in each house. Um, also, you know, we create options that come from suggestions from sales, uh, marketing, and customer feedback. Um, so then that would come through the architecture team. So we would take those those requests and suggestions and feedback and and discuss it together to decide what things you know merit getting added to the plans. And then sometimes we'll put new options in just to keep up with the trends. Um, for example, right now freestanding tubs are really mm. popular in the mass in the owner suite, and um, those require more space too, don't they? Yep, they require some more space. So, so we kind of re- got to rearrange a few things to get it to work. But that's an option that we're currently adding to our portfolio, so that will become a universal option. So, Andrew, I want to step back a little higher level, um, a little bit. We've talked a lot about. Uh, kind of tactical and, and a little bit of a strategy in, in managing plants. But, you know, I want to just touch on and share with our listeners, um, what is your design strategy? You know, when you look at this, I mean, I think you've got a very creative sense uh, of mind. And in, in when you're de- designing these plans, when you're thinking through even some of the things that we've been working on as uh, these what we call plug and play options, where you could you can have a different configuration in the same footprint of a home. Um, you're very good with that. And, and I want to kind of just share with our listeners kind of your strategy, your big picture mind of how when you look at a particular layout, how are you incorporating your own strategy into the design? So there's, I guess there's kind of a bunch of different things I look at when I'm designing. Um, one, it would be space in the right places as a priority. Like if if our dining room is like a bowling alley and our living room is you know, tiny, like an apartment, you know, there's a problem there. So it's, it's really making each space feel um, as it should. Not too big, not too small, the right shape. Yep. And, um, you know, some of that is, is fitting furniture into, you got to make sure that the biggest furniture will fit in each space. So the biggest dining room table, the biggest washer and dryer, you know, that way it can be used uh, for different customers with different needs. Also, we try to minimize wasted space. Um, hallways are a huge waste of space. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's one thing we try to design out. And um, we, we, like I said before, we always plan for the worst case scenario with large appliances, large furniture. Uh, and then uh, circulation spaces also is another thing we look at. So we do try to design hallways out, but then you can't ignore the fact that you still have to walk through your living room. So if you have to walk, you know, through your coffee table and around your couch to get to your kitchen, that's maybe not the best thing. So you try to plan areas where you're going to have people walk. Um, Back to those circulation spaces again, right? Yep. And then, and then also as we're designing each space, you know, we're looking at how you would live in this space. Mm -hmm. Uh, one thing at Tim O'Brien Homes we do is we really emphasize the um, rear entry. We call it our rear foyer because nine times out of ten, you're going to enter your house through your garage. So we really try to make that an inviting, useful place. You know, we have options like a drop zone where you can put your keys, um, places you can hang up or lockers are also an option where you can hang your coat up. And you don't walk into that rear foyer and see the laundry room right away. That's the other nice thing I like about the designs that you've been doing, Andrew, is, you know, we're really trying to help de-stress people when they come home, you know, from, from you know, their work life to their home life. And, and sometimes it seems like you're going to 
back to work again as you come into your home and you see the laundry and you see the the clothes sitting there. We really try to isolate that from when you walk in and really focus on, like you mentioned, that organization component of whether it's the drop zone or lockers. And but really understanding that that rear entry is, you know, no longer a mud room. It's truly your rear foyer. And we want it to feel welcoming when you come home every day. Yep. And and then um, also other things that are another thing that we kind of consider for that same reason is flexible spaces. Mm-hmm. So because we're designing homes for a lot of different customers that use their homes in different ways, um, we like to offer some flexible spaces at one we call the flex room, mm-hmm. but these are spaces that you can use for multiple activities like a, a flex room. Maybe it could be a dining room. It could be an office. It could be a toy room. It could be a music room. You know, that space could be used for a lot of different things. And then, we also have a, like a sunroom option that that could be a lot of different things as well. Um, and uh, yeah. So, so what are some of the current trends, Andrew, that we're seeing is, is uh, in, in designs? I mean, there's been a lot of things, you know, uh, that, that we've seen in different markets. And that's the other thing too, is that, you know, we have access to a bunch of our other builder peers um, in their plans, and we take a look at some of them, and we see some uh, old trends, we see some new trends. But what are some of the things that you see for the Midwest in terms of current trends, things that are going out, things that are coming in? So definitely formal living rooms and formal dining rooms, they continue to drop in popularity. It's really more of these uh, these flex spaces, um, maybe more offices are kind of taken over from that. Um, the work but, from home environment. Yep, the work yep. from home environment. Uh, so I think that's going to continue, you know, to move forward. Uh, also, open concept is still very, very popular. Honestly, pretty much every house that we sell has an open concept. One thing we're starting to see, though, um, kind of creep in is more definition between the spaces. So it doesn't mean it's not open concept. It just means you know, it's a, it's a more defined space. So the living room and the dining room might be separated by some columns or beams, um, maybe a different ceiling treatment or floor treatment, but it's really trying to make them independent spaces while they're still open. Uh, another popular thing that we've been seeing more and more is a large front porch. I, it, it seems like this is going to be here to stay. Uh, more and more customers are requesting this. And um, it really helps with the aesthetics of the outside of your home. It also creates just a nice place to sit, too. Yeah, nice, warm, welcome environment. And we, we kind of touched on the workspaces at home, uh, just with COVID and all that stuff. But uh, I'm not sure if that's going to last or not. I guess that time will tell on that. It seemed like, you know, a few years ago, there was really a, a push for it, but not as much. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. it, it really depends a lot on on, on uh, people's, you know, the independent work life. Right. Um, but it's it's not as trendy as what we thought initially in terms of what people are asking for. But it's still an option that we offer mm-hmm. and still things that we design into our plans. Just like you said, with the flex spaces. Right. You can make it into a lot of different configurations within that space. It's whatever makes sense for you and in as we do, we build for the way you live. So that provides you that opportunity to create it on your own. But please continue. Yeah, but then piggybacking on that, on that more people at home more often 
kind of idea. Um, healthy homes, that continues to be important, the air quality in your home. Um, and also outdoor spaces. Uh, people have been home a lot more and they just have really decided to, to put more emphasis on, on making their home nicer and, and enjoying their spaces. But, but yeah, outdoor spaces in a healthy home have continued to be popular and I think will continue to be. Uh, freestanding tubs, they've actually been around for a while. I think they've just gained and gained in popularity over the last few years. So I, I see that trend continuing on for a few years yet. Um, another thing we've been seeing more of is like an extended kitchen slash kind of like a butler's pantry kind of thing. Um, so the reason behind this would be to get the clutter out of your kitchen. So you have kind of a place to put your clutter. Um, that That's one, I would say negative, but challenge with the open concept is that you can't really leave stuff out on your counter. It it just, you know, it's in your living room, basically. So creating a space where you can kind of throw this stuff, and, and I think that is going to continue on as a trend. It's kind of another cooking area as well, right? So, you know, you have all your pots and pans outside of your 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 visual space of your kitchen, and, and um, it just gives you another opportunity to even have a secondary kitchen for cooking if you cook a lot of meals. Um, but that's been something that we've seen coming up all across the country is just kind of this, I don't know what we call it, dirty kitchen, hidden, mm-hmm. kind of hidden outside of the of the normal area. Even it's not completely separate. You still have a kitchen, but it's a cooking area that's a little outside of the main visual space of those connected areas like the great room and such. Yeah. So it's more of a, a private place that you don't want people to see, you yeah. know, versus your show kitchen that's on the other side of the wall. Right, right. Um, another trend, uh, that we have, it have seen becoming more popular is just stairways off the rear foyer area and not off the front door. Um, we've really been getting negative feedback these last few years on having stairways right off the front door. So, um, we've been working to get them kind of in the back area and, and customers love it. And I, I just think that's going to continue on too. And really that area is where you live, right? You live in your kitchen, dine it, um, living room, rear foyer. I mean, it, so a, a staircase that really is located better for the way that you went, you, that you um, live. Right. More functional. Yeah. And it, it, it does really work a lot better. Um, kind of the last thing I was going to touch on is just the farmhouse and craftsman elevations are still going strong. Um, the vertical siding still very popular. Um, kind of some trends we're seeing on the West Coast is uh, modern elevations kind of becoming more popular. I, it takes quite a while for it to get to the Midwest, but I and that would be the next thing that I would see on the horizon. Well, Andrew, this has been great. I appreciate you sharing um, this with our listeners. It's been wonderful working with you because, again, I love the creativity and the ability of you to be able to pack so much uh, value into our plans, into the square footages of which we offer, and just creating uh, that functional space that people just love to be in. So um, I want to thank you. Thanks to our guest, Andrew Elder, our lead home designer, Tim O'Brien Homes. Andrew, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Tim. 